Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, my first guest today is someone who's lent his legal expertise to countless people, including some of our own C-suite network members, including me. He leads a team of former CEOs and general counsels providing guidance to companies of any size. And we find out a lot about the work he does on his own with his own business that he owns and how he's able to expand his capacity to be a great leader. He's here to talk about why legal should be an asset, not an afterthought. So please welcome George Brunt, founder of Business Legal Management to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. It's great to be here. Always enjoy uh, visiting with you. You know, I remember the first time I met you at the Rocky Mountain Economic Summit. You and I sat across from each other at lunch, and I'm going, who's this quiet, reserved guy? <laughs> and then once I got you talking, man, I went, oh, he's smart. This guy's very smart. So thanks for being my friend, and thanks for being a part of the C-Suite Network. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. So why should legal be an asset? I mean, no, most people don't look at it. Most businesses don't look at legal as an asset. They look at it as a pain in the uh, in the other asset, okay? That's usually what they look at it, right? I mean, so how do you turn it into an asset? Well, I think I think you incorporate it into your strategy. If, if legal is really a part of your overall strategy, it becomes an asset. You start looking yeah. at ways you can do things and ways that you can do things in advance of your competition. And so if, if, if you embrace it as a CEO, as a C-suite member, then it's going to propel your company forward in ways that don't waste your time. A lot of companies get involved in taking steps or actions that waste their time and really don't get them where they want to go because they're, they're calling something free when the FTC says you can't call it free. Right. You know? And so if it's part of your ongoing strategy, you're not going to make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to keep moving forward and not have to take one step backward. Well, when you think about that, if you if you say that, okay, it's going to be a strategic asset that I need to have, right? And when I'm a founder, I should be laying out, okay, what are the trademarks I want? What are the, what's the IP that I want to make sure I secure? I try to do that. You know, first thing I do is, you know, go buy the domain name, but beyond the domain name, I want to register those as trademarks. So, and we did that, you know, at the C-suite, we got C-suite TV, C-suite, you know, book club, C-suite radio. We've, we've, you know, trademarked all of those so that we have those as real assets. And I think that's, that's a strategic use, right? Yeah, you're a great example of the C-suite network of taking advantage of legal from the very beginning. And it's, it's one of the reasons why we're offering a program for startups, for new companies, for only $149 a month. <laughs> By the way, that's a bargain. Listen, listen, folks, that's a bargain. Jump in on that. 149 bucks a month. And I get to talk to a guy like this. You know, I told you in the in the intros, earlier intros, Fortune 10 C-suite legal officer. I mean, in the C-suite. I mean, where do you get to talk to me for 149 bucks a month? <laughs> and then the other thing, all of our all of our guys have built multi-million dollar businesses as a CEO yeah. as well. So it's like I've built two companies that have got up into the multi-million, even uh, tens and twenties of millions of dollars worth of annual revenue 
I'm on my own as CEO. So you've got that legal background and you've got that business background. And that's why it's a real advantage. And, and the 149 month program, what, what you really, you don't get a lot of legal work out of that, but what you get is a lot of strategy and a lot of guidance in how you set up your business. Like you say, you set up from the very beginning thinking of these legal issues. So you don't have to deal with them later when you're, when you're using C-suite and someone else <clears throat> writes you a letter and says, oh, you can't use C-suite. And yeah. then you get changed. That happened to me one time when I was at ITT and uh, we were calling our computer the ITT Extra PC, E-X-T-R-A. Well, we got, we got sued. This, this is how I learned these lessons, by the way. Right, right. Yeah, valuable now after all these years of experience because a company, and you've probably seen it on the road, Extra Trucking. Oh, sure. Sued us <laughs> because they said, well, you can't use Extra, that's ours. We said, we're using it for computers. And so we got in a big dispute, probably cost $100,000 to get it resolved, but we got it resolved. But uh, so much better if we would have started out in the beginning with a nice search and, and, and an agreement with extra trucking before <coughs> we started. So. Well, I had someone who just recently did the same thing with C-Suite. They did it in the restaurant publishing and they came out with a C-Suite. Um, they used one of our names in their, um, their magazine. And they were launching it. And I happened to see it. And I went, whoa, you can't do that. And then they right away said, oh, we didn't know. You know, you're a bunch of young guys. And that's okay. There's been other cases where I've actually wanted to use the name and somebody else had it. And I reached out to him and said, do you either one, do you want to sell it to me? Right. Or, and here's what I'll give to you for it. Of course, they wanted, you know, 100,000 or 200,000 or more. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I'll give you free membership. I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Or why don't we just carve it out? You, you use that. I'll use it for this and we're okay. And so, right. you know, in a reasonable exchange, right? Yeah. And then you've got to set up from the beginning. It doesn't yeah. distract you later on. Well, listen, how, how is the legal industry faring in the recent weeks of all this COVID stuff? Well, it's really interesting. A lot of law firms have reduced their pay. They've taken that tag, reducing their pay of all their employees. And so uh, they just don't have the business because they're not set up. They're brick and mortar. Um, our firm is set up virtually. So uh, all our attorneys are all around the country and they all work from their home offices. And uh, they're, they're top flight attorneys. They could work in any of these firms, but they prefer their smart attorneys. They prefer the lifestyle. Right. Right. And it, it works well. I mean, it's, it's changed. You know, the other day I was talking to you, one of your associates and uh, my attorney, and we're going over some LLC agreements because we're starting a brand new company. And in the background, her kids running up to her and asking her questions right there in the thing. And, she, you know, at first she started apologizing. Hey, stop apologizing. That's the new thing now. Right. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. Well, we're in the middle of this COVID crisis. And so all the kids are at home and uh, it's it's kind of funny with her because she's homeschooling five kids, four kids, four kids. Yeah. And uh, the, she says she has nine hours of videos with their teachers a day. So, yeah, which is unbelievable to have to even think about that. I can't even, I, I've got that for my, all my employees. I can very well think if I've got that for kids on top of it. But these guys that work out of, out of brick and mortar law firms, they've got the same situation. They're home now with their kids and they're participating in that homeschooling and they're not used to the kind of flexibility that uh, our attorneys are because they're they're always dealing with that kind of thing so it's so they can take the time to focus and provide service to their clients at the same time it doesn't have to be during the middle of their kids interview with their teacher it can right. be later at night it can be anytime 
Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of ser uh, servicing our clients and customers, I need to take a quick break and we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. This is Jeffrey Hazlett live on LinkedIn and Facebook. And we're, of course, uh, taping uh, all business with Jeffrey Hazlett with C-Suite Radio. And with me is my guest, uh, George Brunt, the founder of Business Legal Management. They provide legal services to uh, founders, entrepreneurs, and corporations all over the world and been doing very successfully. They got a subscription model you should check out in order to get uh, just ongoing advice. And then, of course, you have access to them when you need them. And I've used them on, on both fronts. And, and I got to tell you that I've been very, very pleased. And, of course, George is a former uh, Fortune 10 C-suite executive as chief legal counsel for a number of uh, big companies, but he's also an entrepreneur himself. And let me ask you a question, um, you know, both from a legal side and, and, you know, you own a number of businesses. I know you own hair salons. I know you own all kinds of things. What opportunities are presenting themselves for you in this new business climate? And, and what, what's your most pressing challenges right now? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, we're kind of set up in the business legal management company uh, virtually anyway. So I think that's moving along just as it always has. But I've got some other interests, like you mentioned. One of them is Paul Mitchell Cosmetology Schools. So we've had to figure out how to move from buildings. We have uh, overall, there's like 116 Paul Mitchell schools. And we've had to figure out how to take those schools online. And that's been a challenge. First of all, the government regulations were such that you couldn't provide distance education in a cosmetology school. So we've had to go to the state, to the state cosmetology boards, to the governors, yep. and then to our regulating bodies, NACUS and uh, the various bodies that regulate schools. They're kind of quasi-governmental agencies. And then to the Department of Education. So we've had to do all of that in a week. So that we could continue yeah. the education to our students. So we did it. We got it done. It was pretty amazing, though. And so now, right now, uh, you can go, you can, our students can all go online. They get their full education. They have their homework assignments. They've got everything flowing. And just the ingenuity of, of our teams and the, all the, it, it, one person can't do that. It requires a lot of teamwork, just like in your business. I'm sure you've got, yeah. I've met many, many of your team members and, and everybody working together and pulling and um, being unified in this time of uh, the COVID crisis. It's really pretty amazing to see. And so right now we, we've got 90, 94% attendance in our schools. And Is that right? Right. Even while... Yep, we're still even while it's remote. That's amazing. What about George? Let me ask a question. How about uh, I would imagine in all of those different entities, the state, this board, this board, this group, you probably had to have a lot of what I call captains of no, you know, folks that normally say, nope, nope, we've tried that or nope, can't do that. That's not in the regulations rather than going at it with the spirit of what can we do to give the best possible service and and still integrity of the process. And, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing across the whole uh, package, but how did you overcome the captains of no? Cause there had to be a lot of them. Well, you know, there, there, there was, <clears throat> there was a few. And so uh, mainly would be on these boards where right. on the cosmetology board, there'd be four or five people who are saying, no, we can't do that. We, the, we always do it this way, right. you know? And so change is always hard for people, but I, I think if you can unite them behind a common goal, and if, if you can 
paint, paint the picture. My partner, Bobby, calls it uh, casting a vision. Mm-hmm. If you can cast a vision of where we're going to go and why this is going to be beneficial, I think it goes a long ways to overcoming some of those uh, people who don't want to change, who are resistant to change. And they're all great people, but they're resistant to change. And you change think about right. You know, it changed. It, it's like everybody's talk, talking about the new normal. I go, well, okay. It's just now it's always the new normal. I mean, you know, you know, it's just, it's more drastic maybe, but it's still normal. It, it's now normal. It's normal for us to work from home. It's normal for us to have kids in the background. It's normal for us to work extended hours. It's normal for us to not wear pants, but just wear jackets. Okay. <laughs> you know, That's it's something we can accept. Exactly. Cause you can't see it. So you don't know. So, well, you know, uh, not that I'm not, I'm wearing jeans. Okay. Just so everybody knows wearing jeans. I always wear jeans, but anyway, you, but you, that's the new normal. I got, I wonder, I wonder, and I'm going to ask you, look, when you get a cosmetology, you have to do certain ways, a lot of hands on, got to have people there, got to do that. Um, but how, do you think it's going to change that business dramatically where that you don't need that brick and mortar like you used to have and they used to have to come to the class every day? I think there'll be some dramatic changes. I do. Yeah. I, I think we can teach the theory quite well online. It's been against the law in most states, but yeah. I think that's going to open up and we're going to be able to teach theory online. And what that will allow us to do is to serve more students. Yeah, we, We'll be able to have a group in theory and a group at the school with hands-on practical, but I do even think that's going to change. The cosmetology industry, the main thing we teach is sanitation, how to avoid germs and how to clean your combs and your, and keep, you know, because we're hands-on touching guests. And so that's going to change. I think that's going to be, you're going to see more cosmetologists, that are wearing gloves and that are even taking additional measures towards sanitation to, so I, there's I, just, of, I think there's good things that'll come out of this crisis. Oh, I do too. I think it's, it's making us so much more innovative. I, the way in which we're going to approach it at the C-suite network is going to change. I, I have no doubt in my mind, it's going, it's going to change not only our organization, I believe it's going to change my life. And I'm actually looking forward for what it's going to do for me for the better. And not that I'm going to be more neighborly or friendly. I'll do my best there, you know, but, but my point is I I'm going to be able to serve so many more people now. I think it's going to fit right into our legal model too, because our legal model has always been on zoom. And, and why should I, why should you at the client go through the expense of flying me out to New York city and sitting down for a day conference and paying my airfare both ways and my hotel bill and all that kind of stuff so we can have a conversation we're having right now. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing a lot more of this online. So let's talk about doing some break. I need to take a break and do some business, and I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. I'm talking with George Brunt, the founder of Business Legal Management. Uh, he is a legal mind extraordinaire, and I'm so glad to have him as part of the C-Suite Network. And, you know, I'm glad to have him on retainer so to speak, as well, because I, I participate in his legal uh, program. He runs for $149 a month, and our, our C-suite members have been doing this for a while, and I'm pretty excited about it, and uh, we're going to be partnering up more. You're going to hear more about this from the C-suite. I don't want to tell you what the name's going to be or anything, but we're, we're going to do a lot more here because I just think it's really positive. And, um, and uh, you know, we're broadcasting right here on All Business with uh, Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio, and we're uh, recording every single day 
uh, as we uh, make our show and get our show out there to the public. So talk to me a little bit about your coaching with key to capacity. What is that exactly? Well, I've always had a great interest in why there's some people who get so many things done and there's some people who really don't get very much done. And so is that a capacity question? Is it that this person has more capacity or is it that this person is not taking action? And what I've concluded is that without an action, there's no result. We've known that for years, with that, that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? And that applies in human life as well, and corporate life as well. If you take action, you're going to get a result. Now, are you going to get the result you want? Maybe. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, we hope. Maybe but, not. Yeah. It depends on what actions you take, right? And, right? and it fits into the legal world, too. It's like, if I take these actions, I'm going to be violating something i'm going to be not getting the result i want if i take these actions i'm going to get the result i want well like for instance in in our schools we've figured out what actions does someone have to take every day to be a good admissions leader what actions does someone take every day to be a good financial aid leader what what actions on a daily basis does someone have to take to be a great admissions leader and we've, we've kind of codified those into both job descriptions and policies and procedures. And if people will follow those policies and procedures, we know what result we're going to get. And so that's what I've written about in, uh, I've written a book called The Key, uh, Leader, Leading with Capacity, which is, my new one is called um, The Key to Capacity. So uh, it, it'll be coming out soon. But that's what it's about. It's about uh, taking and what the definition of integrity really is is following the recipe on a daily basis without variation. If you vary, for instance, if you're if you're if you're trying to be financially successful, you can't live the laws of good finance and not going into debt for ten days, and on the eleventh day take out a thirty thousand dollar debt on your credit card at seventeen percent. Yeah. You, you've lived a great for 10 days, but then you varied on the 11th day, right? Yeah. And so that's where integrity comes into capacity. Integrity is taking those daily actions every day without variation that's going to get the result you want in your life. And it applies in your social life, in your physical life, in your financial life, in your social life, in your intellectual life, and even in your emotional life. There's actions you can take every day to get the greatest results. And that's what happens with these people who are out getting great results all the time. They're not wasting a lot of their time taking actions or not taking actions that don't lead to their desired outcome. You hear this all the time. Remember the old adage, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Exactly. And and there you go. There's high capacity. I know you're a high capacity person. I'm a very high capacity person as well. And I I know other people. And then I know other people I can give stuff to and they'll never get it done. But isn't it true that you take action every day? You take action. This broadcast is a really great example. We were talking about earlier. You do this every day at nine o'clock. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, we get it done. Every day we, we move and we move and we move. Hey, we got about three minutes left, but I, oh, Steve Conlon just asked a question. Hey, Steve, how you doing? I've known Steve for decades and I'm glad he's a listener. With all the changes being proposed, is there an opportunity for the creation of a new business that helps transition companies to this new reality? Yeah, I'd say that, absolutely. Oh, I would too. I think, I think everything that happens creates opportunity and, yeah. and that's the way we should look at it, right? It's like, yeah. 
okay, there, here's the new normal. What are the opportunities here? How can, and what, when I say it's opportunity, it's not opportunities necessarily to make money. It's opportunities to serve people. And Always. The, the, the person who serves the most people just naturally gets the greatest awards emotionally, physically, even financially. Yeah. If you can really serve people, help people solve their problems. And there's a lot of problems that this crisis has come up with and, and it will continue. It, we won't always be socially isolated like this. We'll get back together and things will get back to a new normal. So yeah. there's going to be lots of opportunity, I believe. And, and we shouldn't be afraid of that either in, in, in serving. I, look, somebody, we put up C-suite loans here recently. We packaged it together. We've been thinking about it for months. We've been thinking about it for years. We, we reserved the URL some time ago. And here we go and we finally put it up. And, and people are saying, oh, my gosh, you're going to make money from it. Yeah, we make a little bit of money. It's not a lot. Let me, let me be clear. But the, the companies that are loaning you the money are making the money. But I'm just trying to help people get money so they can keep going on their business. What, what's the one last word of wisdom you want to give to people about what they need to do to get their legal f- affairs in order and operate their business, George? Well, I'd say take advantage of some of these new models. A lot of the reasons why they don't go to the stoic law firms that are out there is because they know when they walk in the door, they're going to spend $5,000. Five grand, yeah. <laughs> and so people don't want to call even their attorneys. And that's why we have this model. It doesn't always stay at 149. When your company gets up to a million dollars in revenue, it bumps up a little bit. When it gets up to $10 million in revenue, it bumps up some more, you know. But uh, taking advantage of the talent that's out there and when we are really trying to serve people, most of us have 40 years of experience. We're at the, I'm not saying the end of our careers because now we've got all this experience. What are we going to do with it? Well, we're going to serve people. We're going to help people. And so giving that kind of guidance really is what's fulfilling to each one of us in our company. Well, you're doing a great work and I appreciate it. Business legal management. I'm talking to George and George is the author of the book. I mean, Oh, I got to write this down again. The uh, key to capacity, right? The new book. Well, the new book is key to capacity and watch for it soon. It'll be on Amazon right now. My uh, first book leading with integrity is uh, on Amazon. Awesome. Thanks so much, George. We appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of the of uh, All Business Live with Jeffrey. Is it right here on C-Suite Radio? We appreciate it. You're welcome, Jeffrey. Appreciate it too. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. Now, we've got some great guests coming up talking about the pandemic and how to get through it and why we panicked during this whole thing. But right now, I want to talk about George Brunt. You know what? He came and talked to us all about legal and I I think the biggest thing I got was leading uh, with capacity. You know, uh, you always say, give a busy person more. Why is that? You know, you need to really think through what it is you can do to take on more capacity. You got to be able to do it right now because we're going to need to pull out every stop in order to be successful. So how's your capacity? Is it high? Is it low? How do you take advantage of your time in a more effective way to get more out of it. That's what I learned right here on C-Suite Radio. Hey, at first I didn't want to have this guest on my show because I thought it was going to be too heady. I didn't think it was going to be good enough for all of you, but man, was I wrong because we've been told by nauseam by the news and government officials on how we should deal with the current pandemic. Many people tend to resort to panic, and we're going to find out why you had a big run on toilet paper and now, of course, meat, but it's beyond crucial that we keep our wits, take a step back, and think about our next move. 
How can leaders avoid judgment errors based on panic moves? How can we minimize blind spots? Well, joining me today in all business is a behavioral economist and cognitive neuroscientist, Dr. Gleeb Sipersky, CEO of Disaster Avoidance Experts. Gleeb, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's a pleasure to be on. I thank you for inviting me. You bet. So you say, don't go with your gut. I would tell everybody sometimes go with your gut. Why, why do you say that? Happy to talk about it. Well, unfortunately, our gut reactions are not very well adapted for the modern environment. If you look at the cognitive neuroscience and the behavioral economics on this topic, our gut reactions are actually perfectly adapted to the savanna environment. When we lived in small tribes of 15 people to 150 people, we're hunters, gatherers, and foragers. So our threat response, for example, our primary threat response is called the fight or flight response. That mean, that was perfect for the savanna environment when we faced intense in the moment threats, but it's terrible for the modern environment. I mean, think about this COVID-19 pandemic. There are so many ordinary people who have the flight response and business leaders have the flight response, meaning completely ignoring the pandemic, thinking it won't touch them. They're just ignoring it. They're fleeing from the information or the fight response, whether it's the panic shopping or people just going to their business emergency continuity plans for business leaders. Neither of those is the right response. Both of those are bad responses because the pandemic is a slow moving train wreck. It's a major disruptor to our environment. It will be around for the next several years. And that means that your business emergency continuity plan is not the right response, neither is ignoring it. That's all types of bad responses that come from our gut reactions. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I tell you, I like the, a slow moving train wreck. That is Man, what it is. That's, that's a, it's like in super slow-mo and yep. in 3D right now. Yes, that's what we're exactly. facing. So yep. we'll have to add that one too. Did we, did we underestimate the COVID-19 pandemic? We very much did. And this has to do with cognitive biases. So dangerous judgment errors we make because of how our brain is wired and because of our gut reactions. For example, one of the worst ones for the pandemic in particular is called the normalcy bias. It leads business leaders and ordinary people to perceive the immediate future and the medium term future in the next couple of years as being very much like the past. It will be normal. Everything will be fine. So right now, so many people are still thinking that, you know, in a couple of months we'll go back back to January 2020. Well, my friends, that will not happen. It's a very much of a norm, the normalcy bias. We want the world to be normal. It will not be normal because the COVID-19 will keep being around until we find a vaccine and mass produce enough of it for the whole population. That will not happen in the most optimistic scenario, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci and Donald Trump and experts until early 2022. So we have to live with waves of restrictions and Loosenings, outbreaks, secondary outbreaks, as is happening in other countries until that point. And that is the very optimistic. Most likely it will be 2023, 2024. That means our world will be very different. And think about how different everyone's habits and mindsets will be once the vaccine is around. So we're very much in a different mind state and we have greatly underestimated the impact of the pandemic. Another cognitive bias that's very related that we're falling into is called the planning fallacy, 
we tend to be very confident about ourselves and our plans. And so we tend to stick to the plan that we make, not pivot in a nearly timely enough fashion and not address risks and problems. And so there are so many business leaders who are right now sticking to their emergency plans and not pivoting, not fundamentally changing their business model, internal and external business model, which is what they need to do to survive and thrive in the face of the pandemic. Absolutely. So I got to ask you, you know, one of the things that was kind of, uh, I don't know, surprising was that people panicked and they started buying certain items like toilet paper. (laughs) What prompts that kind of panic behavior? That's the fight response. So when we think back to the fight or flight response, some people have the personality of the fight response and they don't have control over their environment. They have nothing to fight. It's an invisible enemy, as Donald Trump said. So mm-hmm. how do you fight an invisible enemy? Well, you go to how do you fight an invisible germs and people associate toilet paper with fighting germs. So they feel that they are putting themselves in control and they're fighting the pandemic by buying toilet paper, buying germs. Now, there's another re- aspect to this where people are going out and buying guns not it's not going to help with germs right but they feel like they need to protect themselves they feel that urge for control and so they're buying guns and there are other sorts of defensive products that are also being purchased in large bulk because people are trying to have that sense of control yeah well i bought a lot of ammunition out here (laughs) um, my way but not because of that just because i knew i'd have some free time and i'd want to shoot off a few thousand that's a few thousand rounds by the way let me just let everybody know yeah you have to be able to do that yeah fabulous hey uh another question that just came in is there a personality type that will thrive more in this environment absolutely the kind of personality type will be people who are able to really have a long-term perspective. And there are some people who do have that long-term perspectives who are able to say, aha, I'm not going to orient toward the short-term in spite of my gut telling me to do these short-term things. I'm going to think about what is the long-term implication here? How is the long-term going to be impacted by the situation? And there are some people who are more long-term oriented and they can look at the long-term and they can say, hey, our long-term future will be very much changed. So the personality type who is able to look at the long term and say, I need to fundamentally shift my strategy. I need to not orient toward my tactics. I need to not orient toward the short term, toward just emergency planning. I need to shift, pivot right now. And that will put me in the best position to survive and thrive in the long term and take advantage of my competitors who don't. I like that. Survive and thrive. But I'm calling it the drive and thrive. And speaking of driving and thriving, I need to take a quick break. I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're talking with Dr. Gleeb Sapersky, and we're talking all about how to adapt to this pandemic. And by the way, doctor, I'm finding this extremely fascinating, and I'm starting to think through how to deal with certain things. We're we're talking about how we should adapt. How should we adapt in this thing? I mean, what, what are the things that you would say, hey, these are practical steps to adapt in this pandemic? Yes. So the practical steps for business leaders, what you want to be thinking about is shifting fundamentally your business model. Same reasons we talked about before. The world will be very different for the next several years. And then even after the pandemic is dealt with, with an effective vaccine, people's habits and norms will be changed. So you want to think about shifting two big things, your internal business model and your external business model. Both of those will be very different. And you want to think about shifting them thoroughly to virtual settings. Now, you don't 
don't want to have your employees back in the office once there's going to be loosenings because pretty soon there will be restrictions once again. So ideally, you don't want to set up that yo-yo situation. It will, if you can, end the lease, break the lease, whatever, pay extra money, sell the office, shift completely to virtual teams. That is critical for you to succeed in order to thrive and survive and thrive in this new environment. But, but, means- so, but, so, but some yeah. people don't like the virtual teams. I mean, some, some, I've got some employees who are about ready to, you know, duct tape their children to the wall, right? <laughs> so, and, and rightfully so. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some want to go back. They want that social. Others, I have others that would just as soon never leave their bedrooms and never <laughs> leave their homes. And that's, so, and I get that. Uh, I, I'm thinking about as we roll back, maybe what I should be doing is like a third, a third, and a third. So a third go back, and then a third can stay back. You know, a third go in and out. You know, and over a period of time, does that does that sound like a smart thing to do? Not really, unfortunately, Geoffrey. I'm sorry. I'm pretty yeah, straightforward. It's okay. No, it's fair. I'm. It's, uh, I, pretty... I, I want to ask experts. I want to know. Sure. Yeah. I, because the problem with that dynamic is that there will be restrictions and loosenings, restrictions and loosenings. In the countries that have successfully controlled the pandemic, U.S. is not there yet at all, there have been secondary outbreaks a few weeks after the lifting of restrictions. Cases of COVID-19 have risen again, and then there were restrictions again. So everybody will go back home. You don't want that yo-yoing. You want to commit people to a single venue and have stability and clarity for them. And that's why working at home is a smart thing to do. And that is what the the most effective leaders who are looking at the long term are going to do. And besides, do you really want to pay for the office space for a third of the people? I mean, that's going to be a big expense that you don't need to bear. You'll have a lot less expenses if you're not bearing that expense. I mean, some people want to be working and surrounded by other people who are working, get them passes to co-working spaces or something like that. But you want to really shift to virtual teams as much as possible. And for that, you need to address six areas. One is just like you said right now, motivation and engagement. There's going to be a bunch of people who need that social surroundings of other people around them to really feel motivated and engaged, that they got that a lot at the office. But of course, they're not going to get it right now. So that is a big issue to solve. We could talk about that. Another one is effective communication. Lots of people don't know how to communicate effectively virtually. They need that body language. I need to train people Mm. for effective communication. We can talk about that. Next, noticing and solving problems and resolving conflicts. Now, Lots of people in office settings notice problems pretty easily by just chatting to each other and they nip problems in the bud and they resolve problems easily face to face. Much more difficult to do in virtual settings and you need to address that area. Fourth, cultivating trust. This is a critical area that people greatly underestimate. Cultivating trust, right now people do it in the office just by chatting about their kids, the local sports ball team and how you hate the rivals, you know, how you go out on the weekend and shoot some ammunition, all of that stuff. That's what people cultivate trust via. They humanize each other. And that's not happening in virtual teams unless you create that setting artificially, not naturally. Fifth, cybersecurity. That is a big consideration. There's a lot more hacking going on right now because criminals know that so many more people are working at home and their home office equipment is much less secure than the office equipment, than the equipment you have in the office. So you need to help them with that. And finally, 
Six, accountability. You need to hold people accountable. Previously, as a leader, it's much easier to hold people accountable when you can walk around the office, see what they're doing, check in with them easily, and that holds them accountable. Now they don't see you, they don't hear you, and you need to have them be accountable to their peers who can just check in with them in the office. So you need to create structures of accountability, both hierarchical chain of command and peer structures of accountability to each other. Those are the six areas you need to address. And we can talk about them in depth, but that's what you need to do in order to change your internal business model. By, by the way, I think that would that, that's those are awesome outlines. I'd love to see a white paper on that that we might be able to do and share. This is a side Happy note. To. I think there's some good excitement around that in terms of teaching. Your fourth point was, I think, around more of the social aspect of how yes. do I make people more social when we're not social, when we're not yes. physically together. That's a difficulty. What what suggestions? Well, I tell you what, before, yeah, I'll before we do that, let me take a quick break and we'll come right back. C-Suite Radio. And by the way, for those of you who are looking for some funding, uh, don't forget C-Suite, S-U-I-T-E, loans or just C-Suite loans. Either one will take you right there. I uh, want you to make sure you can go to those and uh, apply for some funding if you need that. We're talking with Dr. Glebe Sipersky. And we're talking about, you know, the, the mindset of this pandemic. And I was asking right before the break, how do you how do you make people more social hmm. when they're not physically together? You know, you need that yeah. kind of interaction. How, how can I help my team do that better? So when I, when I help trans, teams transition to virtual settings, which I've done before the pandemic, that's one of my areas of consulting. What I make sure they do is do two things. One is in whatever collaboration platform they have, whether in Slack, whether Trello, whether Asana, whether Microsoft Teams. Yep, that's another big one. You want to set up a channel or a card where you do a morning update. So every morning when they come in to work, it's like checking, clocking in. They post an update about, hey, what's up with their life? How are they doing? How they're feeling? Something about them that other team members don't know about and what they're working on at the moment. And they respond to at least three other people who post the same thing. Now, that creates a humanization. You humanize each other. You create that sense of collaboration, of engagement, mostly not about work, mostly about kids and life, but also having them know what they're working on. So that is a, and of course, they engage with each other around that. That helps people remind that they're people and that everyone is a human being, a person. So that's one. Second, you want to create another channel, and that's obligatory. That's part of company policy, institutionalized. A Everybody's got to do it. Everybody's Everybody. got to come in. Yeah, kind of like, here's your, here's your three to five things you're going to get done today and just and give me a little uh, update on what you're doing. Exactly, exactly. And that human update. And the third one, and the second one, you want to create an autonomous space, independent space just for sharing about life. Whether, you know, someone's sharing, hey, you know, what what's everybody cooking for COVID-19, you know, the coronavirus stuff, or how are people spending their time relaxing? Or, 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 or sending stupid memes or whatever exactly. they want to do, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's I think that's cool. I think that's cool to be able to do that. Yes, and that has to be completely spontaneous, you know, don't you know force no people rules. to do that. Yep, no, no rules. rules. Exactly. So those two combinations play to the maximum type of personalities, all types of personalities. Some people really like need that extroversion to engage with each other. Some people are very comfortable not spending any time at all on that independent, autonomous kind of channel and just shutting the rooms, not doing anything. But they all have to do the morning update. So that creates flexibility and a combination of maximum engagement that still helps the team cultivate trust. 
I think those are just absolutely wonderful suggestions on being able to do it. So what do you think? And tell me about your upcoming, I want you to tell me about your upcoming book. I want to give you a chance for a little plug resilience, adapt and plan for the new abnormal. I mean, you're yes. moving fast. The new abnormal of COVID-19 uh, corona, uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, how long did it take you to write that book? Oh, gosh. Well, John Hunt Publishers approached me a couple of weeks ago after I published a, a whole bunch of stuff about the pandemic and did a whole bunch of interviews. Then, then they said, hey, do you want to write the book about this that will be out by June? So then I had to drop everything and uh, accept helping my existing clients. And uh, then I was just really focusing all my time on writing the book. You know, and right now I'm actually just got an email from my publisher saying, hey, I'm looking at the clock, you know, when are you going to have the next chapter ready? So I'm really excited about that. That book will go through, first of all, why were we so unprepared for the pandemic? And in general, why do we prepare so badly? badly for major slow-moving train wrecks like the pandemic and many other things like it. That talks about the cognitive biases, the errors in our brains that cause us to have bad gut reactions and how we can address them. That's the first part. Then it talks about how can we adapt to the current situation, to the pandemic, both for households, so a lot of stuff for individuals, households, and the next chapter is on businesses. So we talked about the internal business model. There's also the external business model, which we can talk about right now, but that is something really important to adapt for. Then the next part goes into planning for the future. How do you plan for the next five years, given that anywhere from two to five years will be spending without a vaccine and still dealing with this? How can you effectively shape your business in such a way that you survive and thrive in this pandemic? So changing your strategic plan, accounting for uncertainty and going forward effectively. And that is the shape of the book. Let me ask you one last question before we wrap up, but is this going to change introverts and extroverts in the long run? No, of course not. Introverts and extroverts are all about personalities. I mean, there's a reason you see a lot of Zoom parties going on and where people are hanging out and drinking and so on. And you'll notice very few introverts on those Zoom parties. They yeah. appreciate their alone space. But, and extroverts are finding some way to cope and manage through Zoom parties and so on. But no, extroverts and introverts will not be changed fundamentally. These are internal personality traits. You can see them in babies already. So when you look at babies, you know, some babies are walking up crawling around on their knees, exploring the world and having fun. Other babies are sitting in the corner and playing with their blocks. And neither is worse, neither is better. It's just personality traits. Well, this is fascinating. We're going to have to have you back, doctor, because it's been great. Dr. Gleeb Sispersky, and we've been talking about uh, dealing with disaster. I got to tell you one last thing as I, uh, as I thank you for being on the show. Uh, fun facts. My team showed up and said he avoids disaster by spending ample time with his wife. <laughs> well said. Well said. Thanks for joining me right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Thank you so much for having me on. At the end of every show, I, of course, like to talk about what I learned about. Today, I learned about how we need to look at things with different glasses. How do we want to be able to be seen now? in this new pandemic, that is as our business, but also even when we're on these calls or when we're communicating with people, there's a new normal. And with this new normal, how do you present yourself in a way that's professional? How do you present yourself with a way that shows your brand power, the promise of your brand? That's what I was thinking about when I was listening to him talk and how we do that differently. How do we be social when we're not supposed to be social? Those are the things that got me thinking. 
So I like a guy that gets us thinking or a gal that gets us thinking because it just, you know, it's good. It's good for you. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Don't forget, tell your friends all about the show and ask them, uh, you know, to come and listen. Thanks so much. Right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.